let's get things kicked off here. Those of you just joining us, welcome. Do appreciate you joining us for the Tuesdays at 2 with your Sun Country MEC. Before we kick things off with uh, the presentation, I got a couple of uh, housekeeping things to go over. One of them being, as you joined, you probably noticed this meeting is being recorded. We do record all of these to try to get them published as soon as possible up on our Sun Country YouTube channels, as well as our podcast outlet servers. And you can find previous uh, uh, Tuesdays at 2 on those outlets, uh, youtube.com backslash at S-C-A-M-E-C. And the Sun Country Airlines Pilots Podcast is where you can find it. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, you can find us there too. With that being said, like I say, this is being recorded. We do appreciate your questions and uh, all that comments at the end. Those are wonderful to have. But we do ask that you try to keep things on topic just to, to, to keep it cohesive as one little unit for people to look at. If you've got something else you really need to talk about or get off your chest, you're welcome to call any one of us at any time. You know, Eric, Will, myself, we're always available to you to help out with any other questions or issues you have. With that being said, I'm going to kick it right over to Eric and let him take us away. Sir, how are you? Hey, hey Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing well. Um, let's see. Um, I'm going to try and roll through fairly quick today. Um, I just want to keep in mind here that uh, the MEC does have a, a hard stop at uh, at 3 o'clock today. We have a... Uh, economics briefing coming up with the the national uh, economic and finance analysis folks. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us um, again. Just to kind of put some context to these Tuesdays at two calls, right? Uh, the effort is to try and do some contract education, try to take a little bit of the burden off of Chris and the grievance group, right? So that. Uh, uh, the pilot group is just more familiar with the contract and able to uh, to help us out with uh, enforcing, right? There you go. Um, hello. Uh, all right. And um, the plan today, uh, just a couple things to cover. Uh, I want to get into uh, notification of training and just go through an example here of uh, kind of what some of the issues are uh, in terms of, um, you know, not notifying people of assignments and where it becomes complicated. And then kind of the other side of that coin, which is when and how should you be pay protected under this contract for an assignment that was made, right? Because notification and assignment are two different things under this book. It's really important to understand that there's a distinction and to understand that it's the assignment that creates the original credit value of the trip. Okay, um, and the assignment is more akin to something that has to be done to make sure that you're going to show up at your report time. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about probationary pilots and contract grievances, right, because a lot of this stuff is happening, uh, especially on the FO side to our probationary pilots. Uh, I want to make sure everyone who is on probation understands that uh, contract grievances um, are Totally fine to file. Um, you should file on them. The company would like the data to know where to fix these things. Um, and we uh, need the examples to bring to them to say, hey, there's still problems here. Uh, you know, um, coming up on two years since we uh, ratified a new contract. I think Thursday is the, the two-year anniversary uh, of signing that deal. So... 
Um, really, really important uh, couple of issues here. Uh, they're actually fairly simple, and then we'll have enough time to uh, get into a little bit of Q&A before, uh, before we have to go and uh, talk about um, uh, the secondary IPO uh, structure that um, management is using uh, what appears to be a way to pay themselves more. Um, all right. So uh, digging into the contract language, uh, we're going to talk about this notification of training issue, right? And this is uh, 25T, 25T4C, right? So the language here. Uh, notification is used in this section 25 means that the pilot is contacted in person or by phone for a live conversation or confirms an online notification, right? So um, important here that it's on a recorded line or uh, that it is, um, you know, the red change bar in Ames. And those are the two ways that uh, we can go back and confirm that you were actually notified for your assignment and there's a record of that notification. Right. Um, the uh, the assignment itself, right, in contrast, is when it comes out of open time and the pay is established. Uh, the notification, right, is the part where uh, there's a record that you were called and you're actually going to show up. Uh, in this case, it was for training, but, uh, you know, for assignments and so forth, so that we actually know that you're going to be at the right place at the right time, right? Uh, that you're going to understand that you're going to go to Portland, Maine and not Portland, Oregon, right? Uh, and that the show time at 2 is actually at uh, 2 a.m., right, not uh, 2 in the afternoon. Uh, that kind of communication needs to happen. And there needs to be, right, in the old, old school communication models, right? You want to make sure that uh, communication actually occurred. That's what's happening with notification, right? Um, note that notification has not occurred until positive confirmation or acknowledgement by the pilot is received by the company. Note here that it's notification, right? It has nothing to do with the assignments, the notification. Okay. So in this case, um, and you can see on the right here, this is just a reprint of the, the formal grievance um, language that was filed with the company, right? And then uh, on the left side, just kind of a summary of the facts, right? So uh, what you can see here is the training uh, added uh, or crew scheduling put uh, training on the pilot schedule on the 10th of September. Uh, the pilot was never called, uh, never notified for uh, the training itself. And sometimes we see, you know, that if you look back in the records and aims, now that we have access to that, we can see um, where, you know, the crew scheduler may be accidentally notified for the pilot, where the pilot never actually notified themselves or actually um, knew that there was a change on their schedule, right? Um, so in this case, uh, the pilot just simply wasn't notified at all that there was training on his schedule. And the um, problem here, right, is that uh, he wasn't notified until after the report time when they went, where are you, right? Uh, and then he realized he was supposed to be somewhere and wasn't there. And then the training that was on his line as a result uh, went unused, right? So uh, squandering the resources, right? So um, uh what the pilot is seeking here, uh, five hours of pay, right? Some uh, some amount of liquidated damages for uh, having to go through the trouble of filing and uh, waiting for uh, reparation, right? So um, uh, this grievance is based on the company's violation of the pilot agreement, sections 25T4, 25T4C, and all related sections and letters of the agreement went, for example, on or about September 10th, crew scheduling added training for September 30th to... Uh, 
the first officer so-and-so's line, but failed to timely notify him of the training assignment. Um, the FO received notification at 19.04 on September 30th, which was after the report time of the assigned training, right? So as you can see, uh, we're trying to seek uh, five hours of damages um, for the pilot and um, make sure that this doesn't happen again, right? That's the cease and desist part, uh, which is, um, you know, uh, it's important with this stuff that, we understand that following the rules that are in this book and the reason that the rules are there isn't because we're imposing, you know, as a pilot group or as a union, imposing these rules on the company. There's a conversation between both sides that um, importantly uh, keeps efficiency and effectiveness of the airline in mind, right? And part of that is about, um, you know, when you're flying a trip, right, keeping the operation running on time, because if people don't show up where they need to be, uh, when they need to be there, right, airplanes leave late and that has downline effects. You know, airplanes don't get back on time. The next flight leaves late, right? Uh, our customers get upset um, and uh, there's just uh, simply uh, a clear direct relationship to uh, our careers, right? So it's about protecting our brand um, and making sure that uh, there's a good customer experience and making sure that uh, we're providing a service that people want to return for and buy some more of, right? Um, uh, certainly, uh, it's unfortunate, especially in times like this, where you, uh, you know, we have very, very uh, thin amount of uh, training uh, resources, right? The uh, sims are down, sims are being moved, we're um, uh, not training at full capacity, and then to have those uh, training slots uh, lost because there was no call uh, to the pilot, right, is uh, is very unfortunate, right? So that's why we have rules uh, to try and make sure that uh, people are signed properly and notified properly and that uh, there's not a, uh, a waste of productivity that's going on, right? Um, pretty important to us and uh, certainly it's important to the company as well. Uh, and they're really struggling to get uh, some of the middle management people in line uh, and understand, uh, you know, these rules and the language and the changes that occurred um, in uh, the contract now two years ago, right? Still struggling, still having troubles. Uh, and to that point, I think, um, you know, the more we can show that there's um, uh, problems by uh, running that through the grievance process, showing them additional examples that this continues to be a problem, right? Uh, the more uh, interested they are in fixing that, right? So it isn't just about running up a tab or making a, uh, you know someone hurt financially. Uh, this really is about our careers running well. So, all right, getting into another uh, issue, and this is kind of the other side of this coin, right, is um, the assignment and the original credit value. Um, and I just want to show you an email that was sent uh, from a pilot, right, who's um, uh, trying to have a conversation with crew pay, right? And what we see here, uh, the pilot says, uh, hello, I'm on reserve for December. I was assigned a simulator seat fill for December 6th at 2200, going into my day off at 0300 on December 7th. It carried five hours of additional pay due to the assignment going into a day off, right? And what's being referred to here is um, uh, contractually, the contract sees uh, a sim fill as a trip, right? There's a report time and a release time. And uh, that's consistent with the practice regarding seat fills uh, assigned to reserves. 
uh, they're seen as a trip. And indeed, uh, this is a trip that spans two calendar days. There's work going on on two calendar days, and uh, the pilot is owed uh, 10 hours of pay for that, right? Um, uh, and then uh, the narrative goes on here. Uh, uh, it uh, being the seat fill was assigned incorrectly, and crew scheduling removed it. Uh, but they returned me to reserve on that day. That is incorrect per the CBA. Uh, they also did not uh, put TRP, so trip protection, on my schedule and pay protect the original assignment. Uh, I would like this corrected, please, and I believe I'm owed an additional five hours of pay on my crew allowance due to the incorrect assignment. So um, uh, a lot going on in there, and there's a lot to pick apart, and I think it's you know, probably worth spending uh, time picking apart the other uh, contractual uh, obligations here that the company has regarding Minday and trip protection uh, and how this pays properly. Um, but I think the really important one here, right, is the response from the crew planner who says, uh, it doesn't appear that you had marked yourself notified for the assignment. No pay protection is due. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of questions that kind of follow on with this, right? Um how can the trip be placed on the pilot's schedule and not have been assigned, right? Um, of course, it was assigned. The, the seat fill was indeed assigned. It came out of open time, right? So, um, and then it was placed on the pilot's schedule, and that is under this contract um, what establishes uh, the pay, okay? If the seat fill was not assigned, then why is it not an open time? This is a really good question, right? Because what is open time? It's everything that's uncovered. So let's just take a look at some of the language that pertains to to the response here from the crew planner that um, uh, the notification has something to do with uh, owning the trip or otherwise being pay protected for the trip. Okay. Uh, and then we'll uh, get into a little bit of where where and how and why the crew planner might have answered that way and why it simply isn't a correct answer under the uh, 2021 contract. All right. So uh, two AZ. So then we're here in uh, section two. Right. So this is a definition. So two AZ is open time. Um, I've, I've put this up on the screen in these Tuesdays that two calls quite a bit. Right. But. Note what's happening here, right? So open times means all unassigned, uh, key part here, unassigned, uh, revenue and non-revenue flying and reserve days, including flying which did not fit into the published lines, is new to the airline, uh, is uncovered due to vacation, sick leave, leave of absence, training, uh, any charters, extra sections, and other revenue and non-revenue flying and reserve days covered by section one, uh, and other applicable sections of this agreement. So um, what it is, is any flying that's unassigned, right? Uh, revenue and non-revenue flying and reserve days. So um, it's not, you know, uh, certainly doesn't read all flying for which the pilot hasn't been notified, right? It's unassigned. Um, and you'll find that the book does this over and over, right? It's assigned and awarded, um, and that's why we have things like, um, you know, reassignment and um, reschedule, right? Because there's uh, the word assigned is uh, a very, very loaded word in this contract, right? So uh, open time means all unassigned revenue and non-revenue flying, right? And when it becomes assigned, it leaves open time. Uh, and you'll find uh, as we work through this language that it's the assignment is where the uh, value of the trip is established, right? So. 
Uh, Section 2BQ, reserve assignment. So a reserve assignment means open time, which has been assigned, importantly assigned, right, to a pilot on reserve. Um, So uh, pilots on reserve is assigned open time. That's how open time leaves uh, open time and goes on to a pilot schedule, right, Uh, through assignment. And then uh, the original schedule value, so Section 2BB, uh, and this is, uh, you'll find used in a couple different ways in this contract, right? So the original schedule, um, uh, which is probably what you were awarded, right? So either, uh, uh, you know, trips, if you're a regular line holder, if you're a relief line holder, right? Uh, both reserve and trips, both on that schedule, or that's your original schedule. And for a reserve line holder, um, either AM, PM, or red eye, right? So, the original schedule or original scheduled value, right? So that's the money part of this, right? Original scheduled value or original trip hour period. That's the duty part, right? So uh, the pay and credit, right? Um, And how you're going to be affected under section 12 rest rules or 117 uh, rest rules, right? So uh, what that trip looks like when it comes out of open time, right? Uh, so the original schedule of a trip means the trip as it is configured when it is awarded or assigned, right? Uh, so awarded is the open time pickup, right? Uh, you know, I want that thing that's in open time. That's awarded by crew scheduling or it goes to a reserve that's assigned, right? And you see here, um, configured as it is awarded or assigned establishes the original scheduled value, the original trip hour period, right? That's your original schedule. Um, uh, So uh, awarded or assigned to a pilot, subsequent changes to a trip or a pilot's schedule associated with with a trip will be considered a rescheduling. Um, And there's just, as we went through last week, just a couple of a um, couple of ways in which you can be rescheduled, right? Otherwise, it's a reassignment. Um, that really includes operational delay is really, it's a semantic difference between reassignment and operational delay. But uh, the pay is uh, largely the same, but worse uh, for the company and better for the pilot if you get into an operational delay, right? But all of that is uh, essentially a, a reassignment. So uh, what we see here, though, right? When is the uh, scheduled value? When is the pay established for that trip? When it's awarded or assigned, right? When it leaves open time. And it's a really, really important thing about this contract is either it is unassigned, so it's uncovered, and it's in open time, or it's assigned, and it's on a pilot schedule. That in-between thing where, you know, trips are kind of placed on a pilot schedule um, to see if they'll notify, that kind of thing. That shouldn't be happening under this book. That was a practice that they did uh, under the green book, and this language was changed and written in order to eliminate exactly that. Um, so uh, here we see, right, section 4E, and now we're into pay, right? Uh, that's the pay section of the contract. And uh, the header here, trip pay and credit for reserve, regular, and relief line holders, right? So uh the one missing is um, instructors, right? Training pilots. Uh, but this is trip pay and credit for reserve, regular, and relief line holders, right? So trips covered under this paragraph E include all trips on a pilot's final schedule, right? Plus all trips he picks up from open time is assigned from open time, right? This covers our reserve, uh, is assigned in training, right? Is junior assigned to 
or which otherwise becomes assigned or awarded to him, right? So there's really only two ways things are leaving uh, open time, and that is through assignment and award, right? And this paragraph, 4E, uh, establishes um, that this, you know, how you're going to get paid is coming through 4E here, and it is uh, the original scheduled value, right, is assigned from open time. Uh, really, really important part of this contract. Um, really important to grasp this, right? And so uh, just a little bit of history here on the change, right? So under the 2015 contract, the Green Book, um, the company maintained that there was no record of assignment in Ames and ECRU. Uh, this is one of the first meetings that uh, Brian and Lethert and I had uh, with Andy Papaleo and Scott Fisher. Uh, Andy at the time was a labor relations manager. Scott was um, uh, basically like a director of crew scheduling, right? And um, they maintained uh, and told us at that time that there was no record of an assignment in Ames that uh, uh, literally disappeared into the ether. Um, you know, kind of odd to us, right? Given that it's a computer, um, computers tend to have timestamps and everything that occurs, right? Um, but that's what they asserted, and at the time, uh, we did not have access to Ames E-Crew. There was no way for us to know, right? And uh, truly, what had started to happen under the Green Book was that notification was the only timestamp record that the company acknowledged existed, right? Um, because they uh, would have to call you on the phone, right, or click on the red bar, and one of those two things was notification, Right. So uh, when uh, Alpa and the company were trying to figure out, you know, uh, how was the trip assigned? Was it assigned? What was, you know, the 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 moment at which the pilot knew um, there was only a timestamp at notification. Right. Um, know that we changed all of the language that has to do with assignment uh, in the 2021 contract. So all of the practice that went with the old green book there dies um it just simply doesn't exist anymore legally it's kind of gone um the uh reserve assignment log right the piece that we arbitrated back in you know september october time frame um in our waiting for a decision from the arbitrator arbitrator horowitz uh, is regarding this uh, reserve assignment log, right? And this was this reserve assignment log was created to establish uh, a timestamp record um, that showed, you know, the employee who assigned the record, the time that they assigned it, right? So when did the trip come out of open time, right? So that we could see transparently all of the awards and assignments and who they were made to. Right. Uh, not necessarily the FOLO part of this, which, I, you know, is still wrong, uh, isn't published properly, doesn't show all the people on reserve. So you can't see, you know, who you are uh, in the order of assignment relative to. Um, but uh, simply that there was a log that was published that showed uh, when a trip was taken out of open time and given to a pilot. Right. Uh, through assignment uh, and award. And. Um, Truly, it is assignment, right, that we just read through uh, the definitions of that establishes uh, the schedule value in the trip hour period. And uh, really important in that system, right, to know that it all changed, that notification isn't the bar that ties to pay protection. And it is uh, indeed under this contract assignment. Um, a very, very important part of this, right? Otherwise, 
uh, crew scheduling really could, you know, you have four trips to assign, um, you know, it's three in the morning and you take three of the trips out of open time and just slide them onto a pilot schedule, you know, knowing that they're asleep and won't notify and then assign the one that's left to the guy who you want. Right. Um, that's not, it isn't designed to work that way. It was never designed to work that way. We had discussions that said it doesn't work that way. Um, and it has everything to do with why we haven't seen a reserve assignment log. Right. Um, so, and understand here also in this arbitration regarding the reserve assignment log, um, the testimony that the company gave was the first time that we have ever heard formally out of the company that they have all of the records. Um, even the uh, access that Chris and his team uh, through uh, the contract have uh, some amount of access to AMZ crew. Um, was a hobbled version of that, uh, you know, that um, doesn't have uh, as much information in it as what the company sees, right? What the chief pilot's office sees, what uh, what crew scheduling sees, and what crew pay sees. And, um, you know, intentionally so to obscure, right? Uh, which is why we negotiated for a reserve assignment log to show that and have a record that uh, was transparent and the whole pilot group would see. But in the course of that testimony is the first time that we have actually heard from the company on the record that uh, there is a history, right? And in fact, their defense was, yes, we have all the data. We just can't make two reports. We can't make two reports into one report, right? Uh, so that's what the arbitrator has to decide is whether they can take uh, CSV data from two reports and uh, aggregate them in uh, an Excel spreadsheet uh, and then publish that spreadsheet to show uh, the pilot group who was assigned, right? Because that would allow uh, you guys uh, to self-police the, the assignments um, and understand when um, when you are pay protected and allows the grievance committee uh, to have a record because that uh, report is supposed to be published three times a day. Uh, it allows Chris and his team to have a clear record of who was uh, assigned, right? So when trips came out of open time and who they went on to uh, and the pay that goes along with that, right? Um, so no, when you're hearing this rhetoric, right, um, back here on this email is coming from uh, the crew planner. It isn't the crew planner that's the nefarious person in back of this, right? Um, and I don't, I don't know that this place is um, truly uh, run efficiently enough uh, to uh, even say this is nefarious, so much as. In two years' time, nobody has walked down the hall and told the crew planner that it's actually attached to the assignment, right? So the crew planner uh, is doing their job exactly how they've been instructed to do it some time ago, and there is no change processes in place that um, uh, would inform them how to do their job, right? Uh, so here's what you see is an answer like it doesn't appear that you marked yourself notified for the assignment, which, of course, has nothing to do with um, whether you were assigned the trip and establishing the original schedule value of the trip. Right. All right. So um, just want to talk a little bit here, too, about um, the grievance process and new hires and how new hires kind of fit into this grievance process. Right. Um, uh, really important because. Uh, generally, uh, crew scheduling, and uh, a lot of airlines, right, and I think this one included, relies on the new hire pilot to stay quiet, right, for fear that there, there's going to be some sort of retribution. 
um, or uh, that um, you know you're going to end up with you know bad assignments uh, if you um, speak up, right? And that really isn't the case here. Uh, there just is simply no line of sight to uh, crew scheduling from the labor team that deals with these issues. Um, like none at all, uh, completely different people. And the people on the labor side of this, I, I think really couldn't give a hoot, um, uh, you know, about, um, you know, a pilot schedule. Uh, they're just really, really distanced from that. Uh, and for good reason, right? So that that sort of behavior, uh, the negative behavior out of a crew scheduler doesn't start to occur, right? Um, all right, so uh, if we just take a look here, Section 22C uh, defines a uh, probationary pilot, right? So how long is the probationary period? I think everybody knows 12 months, right? Um, following data hire. Uh, there's a couple of nuances here, right? You're supposed to have a probationary line check inside of that 12 months. And then also, uh, if you upgrade uh, earlier than 12 months, which we have had, uh, you know, uh, an LOA in place that allowed that over the last year, which is now, uh, has now died, right? Sunset, um, uh, that you would be done with probation uh, prior to that 12 month period, right? Because you, uh, if you're going to go through the, the work of upgrading, uh, you shouldn't be on probation and you should have um, uh, rights to uh, the grievance process for disciplinary hearings, right? Um, and that's the difference here, as we'll see in this language, right? So uh, Section 21A, uh, this is system board language, right? So the system board in the grievance process is uh, it's basically the three people, right? One company person, one ALPA person, then the neutral arbitrator who's using uh, those two people as subject matter experts to inform their decision, right? So uh, this language, um, uh, so in compliance with Section 204, Title II of the Railway Labor Act, uh, as amended, a system board of adjustment is established for the purpose of adjusting and deciding disputes which may arise under and involve the interpretation and application of the terms of this agreement and any amendments or additions hereto, and some country airlines pilots system board of adjustment herein referred to as the board. Um, and it says the jurisdiction of the board shall not extend to discipline or discharge grievances filed by probationary pilots, right? So that's to say during your first year, um, uh, the board doesn't have jurisdiction over uh, discipline or discharge grievances, right? We can still come and represent you, sit by you while you go through a meeting, uh, that kind of stuff, right? And that's uh, generally well accepted in the industry uh, because uh, the HR people like to have a witness along, right? Um, but know that uh, if you get yourself into a discipline issue or a discharge uh, kind of situation, right, um, that uh, a wrongful termination uh, grievance um, is difficult for us to enforce, right? Which is why it's better to let the grievance committee fight your fights for you. Don't get on the phone and yell at crew schedulers, right? Uh, don't try to browbeat them into submission um, and work through the grievance process in order to find a remedy, right? Uh, for the harm. 
All right. So uh, Section 20 uh, B4, Discipline and Discharge Grievances, uh, really just kind of says the same thing in uh, a different spot in the contract, right? Uh, the provisions of this paragraph B shall not apply to uh, any pilot disciplined or discharged during his uh, probationary period, right? So uh, the paragraph right above this has to do with contract grievances conspicuously missing is anything about probation, right? And then you get down into the discipline and discharge, and you see this sentence here. Um, and then uh, 22C, right? This is, I believe, seniority uh, is uh, the section we're in here. And um, contract says a probationary pilot may be disciplined by the company at its sole discretion, right? With no resort to the grievance procedure or system board of adjustment for such discipline probationary pilots may file non-disciplinary grievances, right? Um, so this is to say uh, the, the for contract issues, pay issues, right, the right place to find a remedy is through the grievance process, file a pilot issue form, send a DART, uh, call the grievance committee, um, but uh, you need to get some paperwork in, right, so that we can work on your behalf, right? Don't just let yourself get abused. Don't take answers like what uh, uh, came through from that crew planner, um, right? It just simply isn't how it works, right? So, um, yeah, with that, uh, we're kind of coming to the end of the deck here. Um, and I, I do want to do just a little Q&A before we have to go for this uh, ENFA briefing. Um I do want to just put into context a little bit, right, uh, as we're kind of coming up on the, the two-year mark of this contract, um, the enormous amount of work that has gone into uh, contract, contract enforcement, um, uh, you know, the, the whole joint working group process that went on for a year, right, during which, uh, you know, Section 18 was remodeled, um, and the companies uh, kind of feet dragging or lack of ability to get some traction with uh, their middle management on change, right? Um, I, there's uh, there's a lot yet to do. Uh, I know people are frustrated with the contract enforcement and there's an enormous amount of grievances on a, you know, kind of a per pilot basis, more grievances here on this property than anything I've ever seen. And that includes, um, you know, Endeavor, Colgan, Asaba, um, Pinnacle, right? Uh, there's some pretty rough names there in terms of labor relations, right? Uh, that said, um, you know, something to think about with this, right? Um, uh, there was this uh, about three, four months ago, we had a meeting with the FAA, right? And there's this guy named Randy uh, that works for the FAA. Randy used to be a um, a Kalita pilot, one of the first Kalita pilots, in fact, um, and worked for Connie Kalita, you know, far before there was a, a union ever on that property. Um, and then as Kalita grew, so did their um, reputation for, you know, being a, a pretty difficult shop to work for and uh, really pretty anti-union, right? Um, as a lot of like owner operator businesses are right, um, just really don't want a, a union messing with their business or getting in the way, and they see it as um, you know an impediment on their growth. Um, which, uh, in reality, right, what happened was Randy went back in his FAA capacity, you know, some 15, 20 years later to visit Connie, and um, you know, seeing Connie's office and. 
uh, Connie said to him, look, um, uh, having Elpa on the property is the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to organize my business and operate efficiently, right? Um, and that is very, very true. And again, coming back to why we do this work and why it's important to get contract compliance is because the rules that are in that book are the rules that were negotiated by both the company and Alpa together to make this place operate efficiently and effectively, right? Um, which means not wasting resources, keeping our customers happy, and making more money. Um, uh, truly, uh, it's necessary to uh, not operate like it's the Wild West because of the, the loss of productivity and resources, right? Um, just for example, the FOLO, uh, right, is designed to give the work to the pilot who is as the least amount of days remaining, right? So uh, when you're looking at matching a trip up with somebody, right, don't put the seat fill in the middle of, uh, you know, 12 days of long call reserve, right, uh, and waste all that, that productivity. Uh, so all that's negotiated with uh, the mindset of, uh, you know, quality of life for us as pilots, but also uh, efficiency and effectiveness. And when that stuff doesn't translate down into middle management, uh, we see, you know, kind of the collapse, like what we're seeing in the training department, which is, um, uh, you know, a pretty risky situation that we're in. Uh, we want to see growth. We want to see upgrades. We want to see this airline do exceptionally well. Um, and one of the keys to that is going to be getting to contract compliance, right? And uh, if you listen to the company on this, uh, it's why they're putting Eric Levenhagen, who was, you know, kind of uh, chief counsel and at the table for all of the negotiating of this contract into uh, basically embedding them into uh, training scheduling um, and into training in general so they can try to find their way back to where they're supposed to be. Um, uh, very, very important that that gets uh, righted, right? And there's a contractual path there to follow uh, so that you know how to, uh, to stick it upright again, right? All right. All right. With that, uh, I think I'll open it up to uh, to Q&A from the group. Um, uh, anyone have anything to ask, please uh, raise your hand using the um, uh, uh, raise hand function in Teams. If you do want to uh, to raise your hand on the phone, I think it's star five and then uh, star six to unmute. All right, uh, I got a caller, telephone number 908-577-1749. You are muted, you have the floor. Yep, unmuted. Okay, can you hear me? Gotcha, yep. Oh, perfect. Uh, maybe I'm uh, John Andrus calling. Um, I might have missed it a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't, I wasn't able to listen to all the Tuesday at two calls, but I was wondering if there was um, any results from that survey we took a while ago regarding uh, upgrades and yeah. overall happiness, it seems like. I don't know. Um, I'm just wondering if I missed it or if there was like a, if we we're going to get some sort of data point. Yeah. So on that, right, um, that's a negotiating survey. And um, if I go on these calls, right, and explain what the negotiating survey says you want, then you lose kind of all of your negotiating leverage, right? Oh, um, I get it. 
Yeah. Uh, to that end, um, you know, as we roll up into the new year, I'd like to do some, uh, you know, small groups um, in the Alpa office in person, right? Uh, but even that, we've had some uh, some people sent along to take notes that give them back to Greg, right? Uh, wow. So the, it, it's super problematic. Um, but there's a lot of slides there, too, that uh, really, I think, inform uh, the group pretty well of where, where the reality of opinions are, right? Um, and I would say a couple themes that I saw shining through in that. Um, uh Pilot Group wants to know when the company is going to do something uh, to incentivize uh, their uh, their upgrades, right? Um, when are they going to put some money into the kitty to make people more inclined to move into the left seat? And when are they going to fix the pay scales to come in line with where the rest of the industry is? Because there's a lot of people making decisions about... Um, you know, should I stay or should I go based on the pay scale? And um, I would urge everybody to listen to what is being said, right? Because, um, uh, you know, midterm bargaining isn't where that happens. Um, and listen to what the company is saying when they're saying attrition is to plan, right? Um, they're saying we have no intentions of doing any interim money uh, because, we are seeing attrition exactly where we're comfortable with it. And maybe even what we want is or what they want is attrition uh, to, um, you know, take some of the more senior people, even if it's four five, six year pay guys out of the equation. Right. Uh, and then replace that with um, new people coming in the door. Uh, so just understand maybe uh, sometimes uh, their interests don't align with ours, right? With wanting to stay here and see the airline grow at a pace we want to see. Um, and um, truly the the other one is um, uh, we're going to fly the airplanes more with the pilots we have, which is to say I don't need to hire pilots, right? Um, I'm going to let the attrition do what the attrition's doing. I'm budgeted with this pay scale, and they see the pay scale as a competitive advantage over their uh, their peers, right? Um, who, by the way, I mean Frontier is is hemorrhaging money, can't uh, can't keep pilots, and is talking openly about their you know 70% attrition on uh, new hire pilots, right? I think we're running about 60% based on the company's uh, data, so. Um, yeah, it, so people want to see when pay is going to change. People want to know, um, uh, exactly, you know, uh, what's going to be done in midterms, right? Uh, the midterms thing, uh, understand, right? Still four items from each side, right? And it has an arbitrated backstop. So, um, it really is four, eight little mini arbitrations, right? And how, I think it adds a little information to talk about how that occurred, right? So um, when we were going to sign this contract in December of 21, right, um, it had gotten to the point where Amazon had already given the company an extension on their A330 RFP, right? And basically, the reason the company even engaged with us in a contract is because they uh, they wanted to bid on this RFP. Amazon says you can't you 
can't bid without having your labor contract closed up. We want stability. And so the company comes to us and says, can we do a deal and do it quickly? We were prepared for that. We said, yes, we went down that road, right? Um, and as this thing closed up, right, company wanted, say, a, a five-year deal. I wanted a two-year deal. They wanted a five-year deal. I said a three-year deal. Um, right, because I, I knew where the industry was going to move and it was going to go higher than where we were at and what we were able to achieve there. Um, and so the duration of the contract was really, really important, right? Uh, and basically where we ended up was with four years, right? Okay, company, if you wanted at four years, you need to give us some interim bargaining because uh, I knew that the people that we were dealing with weren't going to deal with us outside of arbitrations, right? Um, and here we are, uh, you know, with X amount of arbitrations per year and um, coming up on two years into this contract and we need we need a little arbitrations to happen um, to clean stuff up, right? Because it just hasn't gotten cleaned up. So um, that's to add a little color to what midterms is really about and really supposed to be. Um, the company, right, when they decide they want the revenue that they're leaving on the table, say, a, you know, $500 million a year, uh, will find a way to give people raises. But until they have a training department that can move people through, I think they're going to still suffer, um, uh, you know, because they, they simply, even if they did hire people, can't get them through training right now, um, right? They're starting to see a, a clearing of the backlog. But there still isn't a, an AQP program. There isn't a, a way to recover people efficiently. Um, and there's, you know, rules in the contract to deal with that that were, you know, negotiated and then renegotiated uh, through the JWG process to be uh, even more effective. Um, they're just they haven't they haven't seen themselves get into place yet. So um, that, um, kind of brings up if, if I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, can I make a follow up question to yeah, what, the absolutely. last part of what you just said? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> cleaning up the training backlog. When I went through upgrade IOE, I never got any charter IOE, which means CruiseSport doesn't assign me any charter flying, which is really cool if you want to stay home. Not so cool if you want to fly and try to break guarantee once in a while. Is there any movement on trying to get junior captains charter IOE so that we can yeah, file on that. They don't have any right to not to not give you those assignments. Um, I know they they put a charter IOE uh, requirement into the FOM, and they need to train you to that. Um, and we've long held that you are eligible for any assignment under this book. Uh, it's the company's uh, role to keep you qualified. And uh, the trips are simply sorted by the order of assignment and the FOLO, right? So uh, when your name comes up and the charter is two days long and you have two days remaining and you're the first out guy, um, you should be getting that assignment. Um, yeah, but we're not. Yep. Uh, file. File on it. Ask for the pay for the trip. Well, it's it's almost virtually impossible for me to know when I'm not getting called. But I, mean, I can look at open time and know that there are perfectly viable trips for me to fly that I'm not getting called on. Yeah. And you guys should all file on all of those. Um, hey, Eric. Yep. This is Ellen. Can I make a comment on this? This is a great subject. Um, the company has gone to great lengths over 
multiple negotiations uh, when we've talked about, you know, taking certain flying and having what you might call special groups like international flying and ETOPS and different things like that and trying to set up, you know, to help uh, keep people current so that there's a current list of people qualified to go do that specialized type of flying. And they've been very adamant. I can't stress to you how almost just like slamming their fist on the table and going all pilots here need to be qualified to do all flying or they shouldn't work here. So um, this, this is huge that, you know, it's their responsibility to keep you current. It's their responsibility to train you. Uh, and the pilot shouldn't be um, have anything uh, taken away from them or disadvantaged because of that. That's exactly right. And it, I'd add to that, that reserve assignment log arbitration and getting that decision back from an arbitrator is absolutely essential to this, right? Um, what was negotiated there was transparency so that every single assignment that went out was covered and that every trip was put into open time. Um, and why that was really, really important to this pilot group at the time that was negotiated was because there was, a, you know, we were doing a significant amount of charter, a lot more charter than we have been doing. And I'm guessing with Aero's failure, uh, there's, you know, probably more charter to be had now again. Um, but that right. stuff would come in late, right after the bid pack. And, and in fact, we were seeing almost 30% of our credit uh, outside of the final line award. Um, or the block, I should say. And well, I'm just, I can't help but observe that, you know, I look at my schedule as somebody who isn't getting assigned charter flights. And I look at somebody's very similar seniority who is getting charter flights. I can see that there's a difference between essentially how much we're able to make. And it doesn't, like at some point I thought it'd get cleared up, but it's been like nine months at this point. So yeah, Ooh, file. Everyone needs to file. We need the data at this point. Um, our ability to push back, right, is really limited by what you guys bring up, right? What comes in through that grievance portal, um, which isn't to say that we're not constantly talking about a lot of things in the background, right? There's, um, you know, we have these morning meetings with the company and, try to get them alerted to where the problems are, right? Uh, but that stuff, without the legal process in back of it, uh, of the grievance and the formal moving of the paper, um, truly nothing happens, right? And it, while we're kind of in the, you know, peacetime era, right, between, you know, Section 6, you know, the formal negotiating processes, um, the thing that matters in back of all of this is that the paperwork keeps moving, right? Um, that's the whole game they play is to mitigate the amount of paperwork, right? Um, and we try to stay in front of the giant wave of work and, um, you know, how adept we are at shifting gears from the negotiating side to the grievance side um, and making sure that we can bring enforcement to all of this is uh, really, really important, right? Um, file, truly. Um, right. Yeah. I'll, fi I'll file on it. I appreciate your time. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate you doing these calls. Yeah, you know what? Take care. Um, yeah. Austin, I get. I see you got your hand up. Uh, go ahead, you have the floor. Hey, you got me? Yep, gotcha. All right. Sorry if it's loud. Uh, I'm at the airport, but 
Uh, a follow-up to that and then an additional question. Um, you were talking about, you know, all pilots need to be able to do ETOPS. Um, I, I've been begging to, uh, to go get checked out on ETOPS for months now. I uh, haven't been able to get any movement. Do you want us to file on those as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You are supposed to be assigned ETOPS flying. Uh, there's a whole procedure in the book for that um, to try and get you um, someone from the training department to ride with you, right? Uh, it, all of, understand all of these credential things. They're all tied up in the same dark corner where, uh, you know, wide swaths of the training department went, you know, non-current. There's, there's just the record keeping isn't there, right? Um, just in this past week, we've had, you know, NSLIs who aren't current sitting in CQ events, like aren't current, like they failed their check ride, aren't current, right? Um, they just simply don't have any records that are functional right now. And that's why the FAA is here and looking at them as well, right? Um, but yeah, if you're not getting assigned flying, whether it's charter or ETOPS or, or any of it, uh, just know, right, uh, in the contract, there is nothing that limits you guys from being assigned that stuff. Okay. It kind of becomes a, a, a much bigger issue for me since I am a Czech airman now. So there's uh, there's ETOPS flying out there that is there's there are two trips that I could easily take next week uh, that I can't go get. So, yeah, just kind of. Curious about that, so I'll file. And then uh, the second question was, you know, obviously there's quite a few conversations happening in flight decks uh, regarding rumors um, on, you know, an acquisition of, of another company. Uh, can we shed any light on that uh, one way or the other or not really? You know, there was, as I understand it, um, and this is this is coming from the uh, IRO MEC chair, right? Um, there was a kind of a last minute extension type request, uh, made of the bankruptcy court, uh, that was to extend some timelines through yesterday afternoon, right? Uh, the way he explained it to me is that, uh, the restructuring process that they were going through, uh, which had a, you know, a $215 million bill on it, uh, and was designed to, you know, shed uh, like like nine hundred and eighty million dollars in debt, right, and turn it into two hundred and fifteen million dollar uh, kind of price tag for what was left of the airline um, uh, had failed, right? So normally, when you hear, you know, uh, Chapter Eleven uh, bankruptcy, right, it's about reorganizing and trying to emerge from the bankruptcy as the same entity. And in this case, uh, Blackstone, I think, is the debtor in possession, didn't want to or wasn't going to uh, provide the $215 million to bring them out of uh, the Chapter uh, 11. Uh, and so then it kind of goes to the next step, which is uh, liquidation. Um, what his understanding was, right, the, the IRO MEC's understanding was that um, uh, there was a kind of a, a third person, third entity that came into the picture, tried to um, 
purchased some or some parts of or maybe some some of the assets of the company um you know uh, in a portion other than the 215 million um and that hearing just looking um you know will is a, a ex-journalist right and has some good good sleuthing skills uh checked out the the court docket for the judge uh, for yesterday, and apparently whatever hearings were scheduled um, were no longer on the docket and no longer being heard. So I would imagine whatever that was, uh, you know, if it was Sun Country uh, or if it was someone else, uh, whatever that was evaporated, um, which is not particularly surprising given, you know, the instability of a bankruptcy situation, right? So um, I have not talked to uh, Nathan Furr, who is their MEC chair uh, in the last couple of days and plan to give him a ring this afternoon and see if I can get some insight on what happened to them yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, unfortunate situation for that pilot group. I really like to see us be able to uh, offer them some longevity. Uh, right. Uh, this is um, a pretty typical thing for an ALPA carrier to offer, you know, other ALPA carriers who are in distress like this uh, a path, right, um, to um, to hire into some longevity, right? Say they were there for five years, bring them on the list here at five years pay. Uh, of course, uh, seniority is more difficult, right? So uh, normal day to hire seniority and work their way through. But we could certainly use to to hire some pilots um, and uh, see some see some increased uh, some increased pay for those guys in order to encourage them to come here right because there'll be other alpha carriers that are going to extend that same offer and they're going to hire those guys yep. and they're um there's some good people there right no, they're not all peg lake pirates with 5dwis there's good people and they they need jobs right um all right anyone else uh, all right. questions good, or thanks. comments yeah All right. Um, I got a line open here, like a 612-590-6951. Um, if, you, if you're looking to talk, uh, you're unmuted and you're, you're welcome to, to the floor. Right, here and nothing. Um, with that, we should wrap this up. Uh, I hate to uh, to run, but uh, we should get over to this uh, uh, economic and finance analysis briefing and hear a little bit about what the secondary IPO was about um, or if it was successful. So, all right, everyone, thank you. Um, two weeks, so I think that's January 2nd. Uh, take a couple weeks off for the holidays. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.